0: Hello there guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I'm joined by Bruce Wozniak, creator of Now Hear This, Now Hear This Entertainment Podcast and Catholic Sports Radio. So a couple of the conversational bullet points that me and Bruce get into include why he started the company, now hear this, as well as why he started his two podcasts and what they're sort of about. We also speak about his journey of how he got there, which includes him being the chief press officer for the Olympics for a couple of times, uh, as well as traveling around the world for a lot of sporting events and things. Uh, We also speak about how podcasting has helped conversational skills between myself and with Bruce, uh, five minutes of fame, and a few other things as well. Now this is part one of the chat, so part two, continue the conversation, will be out at the same time next week, and description of that is in the show notes below. Before the chat gets started there will be a quick promo for the Urban Twist podcast also. Uh, There's a link to them in the show notes and they say that this month is Marvel month because my road trip and a few other things I put this promo in a bit late so it was actually last month was their Marvel month where they had two episodes all about Marvel that are quite cool. The most recent one is about an OnlyFans interview so quite mature content but if that's your sort of jam be sure to go check them out. I did also want to add that when I had my conversation with Miss Tonya Todd a couple of weeks ago that was through Bruce and Bruce's company Now Hear This. He made contact with me and obviously Tonya and I had a great conversation. We've got another one planned in a few weeks time and there's also a gentleman coming on the show next week who is part of Now Hear This as well. So lots of little connections here and there but I'll go more into that at the end. I did also want to quickly add I've got a bit of a cold at the moment so my Voice is a little bit more nasally than usual. So, if in this intro my voice is annoying you a little bit, rest assured in the main chunk of the chat, not only do I speak a lot less, but also my voice is normal. And hopefully, next week in the intro and outros, my voice will be back to normal. So that's about it from me guys at the start, all the information you need is in the show notes as well, and then after the part one of this chat finishes, I'll be back at the end to give more insight into what's happening in part two, what's coming up in the next few weeks, my other podcast styles, comics and canon, and a few other bits and pieces for that. So be sure to stick around to the end there, and yeah, hope you enjoy the show. Greetings for Desire the Voyager Nash, and I'd like to welcome you to Hero Induction 101. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Welcome to the Urban Twist Podcast, where this month we talk only about Marvel. Marvel-themed content, Marvel heroes, Marvel villains, everything that has to do with the best superheroes of all time. So you strap yourself down in that chair, you get ready, you get ready, because by the end of this month, you will be a superhero, or a <laughs> Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. And I'm here today with Bruce Wozniak. Bruce, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Uh, Please tell people about your many, many ventures that you've got your hands in, but please tell us about them. We're
1: very interested. I wear too many hats, actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not enough hats.
1: (laughs) So let's see, in no particular order, I run a agency called Now Hear This. And Now Hear This does communications, which I like to define as public relations, media relations, marketing, social media, the web. And I generally, the company, we can get into this, but the company was originally founded on the idea of serving music clients, but over the years it has evolved to where I've served music clients, authors. I had an Olympic athlete at one point, small businesses. Then I also wear the hat of being a podcaster because under the Now Hear This Company umbrella, I have a weekly show called Now Hear This Entertainment. And as a result of those ventures, I have become a speaker and also born out of the podcast is an ebook series. And then if all that wasn't enough, I launched another weekly podcast a year and a half ago. The first one came out in February of 2014. So I think my plate is pretty full.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I did listen to your podcast and I listened to um, the episode with Brian Lanning. And I I must apologize, I haven't finished it yet um, because where there's I'm working from home there's like no commuting so I don't have as much time I get like 10 minutes in the day to run and that's normally when I listen at the moment um, but I listen to that and he sounds like a really cool guy and actually I've now followed him on Spotify because ah. that the clip of Hey that I heard I thought that was brilliant and my, my girlfriend is uh, into that sort of genre of music uh, more so than I am I'm into like Generally, every genre of music, like including death metal, all the way to classical, rap, like everything. um But that I heard that, and I was like, oh! As soon as I heard the the sort of chorus part, I was like, she's gonna love this. And I showed it to her, and she did love it. So nice. uh, I've got the album downloaded on Spotify. So I'm going to be listening to that and the EP and all that sort of jazz. So nice. I, I must thank you for your podcast, and it is it is a really really cool podcast. And just with your second podcast, is quite funny because I've I've got two podcasts as well. I've got this one. I've got a Star Wars one I do about uh, Star Wars comics, and. It's quite funny because there's so many podcasters that I know now who have got two podcasts because you you get so much fun doing sort of the air main one and then there's lots of like little things that maybe you can't quite do on it or certain things that uh, you go oh that'd be a really good idea for like a special episode or something and then ends up building up and up and up and then you realize I could probably make a whole nother show out of this. So I wondered if obviously uh, Now Hear This Entertainment is specifically to do with Now Hear This the business but your other podcast could you explain a little bit about that and what it's called please?
1: Don't let me forget what your question was, because I want to go into it by way of saying that when I do a lot of speaking in the podcast industry, I do a presentation called 20 Plus Ways to Promote Your Podcast, which if anyone's out there that's interested, it really is also applicable to the music business. It really is also applicable to people who are authors. And I've given that presentation so many times that I'll sit on Facebook in all these different podcasting groups and see people saying, I'm posting on all my socials and I don't see any impact on my numbers. How can I promote more? And so I'll throw some comments in. And I finally told myself, you know, I'm writing this blog every week on my website. I had to just write that presentation out as a (laughs) blog. And that way, when I see someone asking that question, I can just drop the link and they can go read it for themselves. And I'm saying all that because, so by the way, listeners, if you go to nowhearthis.biz, and of course that's H-E-A-R, so nowhearthis.biz, and click into the blog section, you'll see it says the headline is 20 plus ways to promote. So one of the ways in there, Mike, is to start a second podcast. And I have Mm -hmm. to give credit where credit is due. There's a fella here in Tampa, Florida, who we call affectionately the podfather And the pod father is somebody who, he started podcasting many years ago and he was doing a show called the EDM Producer Show. And he was interviewing producers of electronic dance music. And he found that they were talking so much about the gear that producers use, that he said, I had to just start a second podcast where we just talk about the gear on that one. And he said, I doubled my audience because all of a sudden there was people in the EDM Producer Show that he was sending over to that one. And there were people who were just finding the one about the gear that he was saying, well, I actually host the EDM producer podcast. You should go listen to that one. So I give that out as a tip in my 20 plus ways to promote. But in fact, in my case, I think it was kind of not really intended for audience building because one has nothing to do with the other. And I don't know that there's ever been an episode of my now hear this entertainment podcast where I have told people by the way, I also host a weekly show called Catholic Sports Radio, because that's not really the audience that is going to be driven to that second one. And with Catholic Sports Radio, the closest that I've come is I have an ad that runs on the catholicsportsradio.net website that says, are you a fan of music too? Check out Bruce's other podcast. And that's it. But like mm-hmm. you said, you know, we find ourselves starting into podcasting with what seems to make sense. And to me, in February of 2014, it seemed logical that here's a way that maybe I could attract some new clients. Perhaps if I launch a podcast, maybe some guy who's listening in Dallas, Texas will hear my podcast and say, wow, this Bruce guy seems to know his stuff. I wonder if he could manage and promote me from across the miles and maybe he'll get in touch. So that's what I thought that podcast was supposed to be. And now, six and a half years later, podcasting being what it is, it's turned into a whole other animal. But we have also learned in the world of podcasting that the more niched down your show is, the better. And I don't want to say as a passion project, but I had this concept bouncing around in my mind for several years about the intersection of our faith life and our sports life and how everybody just looks up to athletes almost to a level that we really shouldn't because at the end of the day, they're just human beings like we are and they happen to get paid a whole lot of money to just go play a game all the time. But my point is that I thought, wouldn't it be neat to find the athletes and mind you, this is current or former athletes, coaches, referees, umpires, clergy, administrators, who are really passionate about their faith, wouldn't it be unique to talk to them about their faith life instead of asking them the same old tired questions they get asked over and over and over on all these sports interviews that they do for ESPN, for Fox sports and so on. And they have found it really refreshing. I think they like being a guest on the Catholic sports radio podcast because of that reason, because they're not being asked the same old sports related questions. So to me, it was, aha, I'm on to something because I really struggled to find anyone else out there that was doing any kind of podcast like that. And there have been Mm. Christians who have come to me and have said, why are you saying Catholic sports radio though? Why can't you just make it Christian and open it up more? And I say, well, number one, I've been Catholic my whole life. So that's kind of all (laughs) I know. Uh, And number two, there are a lot of Christian sports initiatives out there. And number three, then I explained to them what I just said about how in podcasting, we know that the more niche down you are, the better. So I think what has happened is all those years of doing the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast, you figure I had been into that for five years by the time I launched Catholic Sports Radio. So there were so many lessons learned that I thought, well, now I'm going to go into this one so much more prepared than I was five years ago. And so it's nothing to do with my business but it's something that I enjoy. And because you know, I just laughed and said, Catholicism is all I've ever known my whole life. Well, I've worked in sports for years and years and years in my professional career. So it's also a blend of what I've kind of lived, which is my Catholic faith and always working in, in pro sports or in the Olympic movement. Um, and then, like I say, you know, doing it in an interview style show so that people don't just listen to me blabber on through the whole episode and and there's some unique guys and gals coming on and doing the talking more than i do
0: well yeah i mean that's the that's the trick i mean when you i've said to people before if you listen to really early on of genuine chit chat you will the first 20 or so people that i knew in my personal life before podcasting and stuff because and then as it's gone on you know i've met more people through friends of friends or you know podcasting things uh like communities and etc and one of the things I found was very early on, I was talking a lot more than I actually wanted to be, but I'd say wanted to be. At the time, I was talking a very fine amount. And then when I go back and listen, to I'm like, I'm talking about 60 or 70% of the time here. <laughs> and that's, you know, people want, if people come to my show, they know that I'm the host, obviously. But the thing is, I say, especially a lot more nowadays is... The show is about my, my guests. Like, it's like I'm, I'm the seasoning on the top. It's the guests that you kind of come for and things. And so as time's gone on, I found that I've had to. In not only normal, not only uh, podcasting conversations, but in normal life, I realized that I, I talk far too much, which is one of the reasons I started a podcast is just yammering on. So I do understand that sort of uh, air of things. To yeah, a you can
1: tell that, that those of us that are podcasters have adopted that because as I was explaining to your listeners what I was just explaining, probably halfway through it, I was like, you're talking too much, self, because I'm so used to being the host <laughs> that it's really an interesting dichotomy because I do find myself, there's another presentation that I give to people where I give them interview tips, meaning when you are going to be interviewed. And one of my tips is come up for air at some point in case the host wants to jump in. And as I was giving the explanation of Catholic sports radio, I was telling myself in my head, you're going on way too long, but I think it's because I am so used to being the host and knowing, like you said, just ask the questions and then get out of the way and let the show be about the guest and not about you, it kind of backfires on you when you do get the roles reversed and you're on the flip side of the microphone as the guest. I agree
0: completely. I've guessed it on a few people's shows about a few different things. And I do find that I've done a couple of nerdier sort of things about Star Wars and that sort of things and movies. And they're generally quite easy back and forths. But yeah, I've been on a couple of shows where people have, have like interviewed me. And it's like I'm... You know, I don't know how many episodes I'm in now. It's on like episode 94, 95 at the moment. But there's actually like 130-odd episodes because I split them in parts. And... Yeah, so the amount of hours I've done in that, and in my group of friends, I am the extrovert. Me and one other friend of mine is the extrovert. The rest of them are all introverts. So we're, me and my other friend are the ones that talk the most. And he's been on the podcast <laughs> as well, actually. So it is, I do get that. And I, I was chatting with a podcast friend of mine on, on her show, um, The Brave Files, which is a Kraken show. And yeah, I was like, it, it was, as you say, it kind of took me back a bit because it's like, I'm so used to, you like, thinking of a cool way to phrase a question, maybe add an anecdote, and then kind of just throw it at the guest and let them roll with it rather than being like oh no i'm having something thrown at me okay i've got i've got to roll with this and make it sound like (laughs) i'm interesting (laughs) which i don't really i ironically don't think i am that interesting but having a podcast does make me interesting in some ways to some people and then a lot of people who listen to my show go you shouldn't say you're not interesting you are And it's like yeah but i've had my friends telling me for many years
1: (laughs) the very opposite you know one thing that i've noticed as my now hear this entertainment podcast has evolved over the years is For somebody who is a publicist, I've done a terrible job of promoting my business because at the beginning I was so focused on, hey, maybe this will land me some new clients that I was always making sure I let people know that that's what I do and that if you need help, contact me, et cetera. And then as the podcast grew over the years and as I started getting more fascinating and bigger guests, it became more of an interview style show. I never lost sight of making sure that I was asking questions that would be helpful for the listeners who are up-and-coming performers to hear the answers. But at the same time, I started getting away from telling people, oh, by the way, one of the reasons why I do this show is because I'm a publicist. And if you need help, contact me, let's talk, et cetera. And I just kind of have made peace with that and decided that when I remember, once in a while, I'll throw it in. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be one of those people whose podcast is this person just pitches their services so, so much that it makes the show really unenjoyable, or I should say less enjoyable. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Unfortunately, I mean, with my thing. This was just a passion project, so I'm, I'm not really promoting anything, so I don't have that worry apart from my own ego, which is <laughs> the only other thing in that regard. But speaking of uh, Now Hear This and Now Hear This Entertainment, um, obviously you started that quite a while ago, but Prior to that, obviously, you said your sort of life has been in sport and things like that, and obviously, uh, we spoke slightly before uh, we start recording the show where uh, you have been um, a chief press officer uh, around the Olympics and things. So, what if you could tell me sort of how sports has been in your life for quite a while and things, and then kind of uh, lead on to sort of the Olympics, and then why you decided to start now. Hear this. Obviously, I assume they're not necessarily related, but I would presume that while you're doing the uh, the Olympic stuff, you wouldn't necessarily be doing now. Hear this. So, yeah, obviously. The time is very much different. So, I'd like to ask you about yeah, how sports kind of started with you, how it got to the Olympics, and then from there, having that job, how in the time between it became your life became. Now, hear this.
1: Okay, I can already foresee that this is going to be a really long answer. So you got, good? Do you need and don't to don't worry about coming up for air? Uh, no, I was going to say you're going to need to throw me a, a life preserver, or a, a some <laughs> kind of something at some point to to rescue me from from my own <laughs> my own blabbering. <laughs> Um, You know, sports, I, I was one of those kids that just grew up a sports fan, you know, played a few different sports when I was a kid, and just was always all about sports. And I was fortunate enough in college to land an internship with the Buffalo Sabres, the National Hockey League team. And whenever I go out and I speak to college students, I always tell them, I am a bad example. What I'm about to tell you doesn't typically happen. So hear my story, but don't by any means think that this is what's going to happen to you. And then I tell them how important it is to go out and get internships. But I interned for them for two years. And then when I graduated, they offered me a job. So right out of college, I was working in the National Hockey League. And I was doing that for a few years. And all of a sudden, they brought me in one day and said, you and the others in the PR department are doing a great job, but we want you single-handedly to also, okay, so this wasn't separate. This was going to be, you're now going to be doing two full-time jobs for one paycheck. <laughs> we want you to also be the director of public relations for a professional indoor lacrosse team that we're bringing to town. And of course I did the old Nile and, or nod and smile and accept it and say, thank you. And in my head, all I could think of was, you're not. you didn't say anything about paying me extra. And I don't <laughs> know the first thing about lacrosse so fortunately it was a lot like hockey because they were playing literally on the same rink that the hockey team was playing on so the same arena the same rink they would just put boards down over the ice then they'd put artificial turf down over that they had two nets at either end they had a goalie standing in front of it with five players out in front of them and i thought this looks enough like hockey and then the players on their side of it, they thought, wow, this is amazing. The Buffalo Sabres hockey team is giving us one of their people to promote our team for us. So they embraced me. And as a result, they really educated me in the sport. And Mike, I fell in love with it. It was, Mm. it was amazing. Our first game, this is many years ago. And yet to this day, I can still tell you the exact attendance numbers, our first game out. And I remember that this guy who had called me in and told me, Bruce, this is what you're going to also be doing now, he told me there's a lot of pressure on us. He said, we have to get an attendance of 5,500 just to break even. And mind you, this was an an unknown sport. And we had 9,052 for our first game. We had 13,581 for the second game. And then after that, they were all sold out, 16,325. And I was doing that for at least five years. I can't remember if it was five or six and we won three world championships in those first, in those first five years. And they were kind enough to give me a championship ring too. We were selling the building out. I had them on, on the 11 o'clock news front page of the sports section of the newspaper. And I fell in love with it so much that all of a sudden there was this, what I call hostile takeover of the league structure, because it was essentially three businessmen in the Midwest of the United States who owned the whole league which means that they were considered the owners of each individual team and just the operators in each city were helping the games be put on. So they all realized these three guys are getting rich off of our hard work and our success in these different cities. We should just take the league over, change the name of the league. It'll be a traditional ownership structure. And so they did that and they moved to the league office and I was the first person they hired to the league office. So I left to become the vice president of public relations at that league office. And Mm -hmm. I did that for three years. And all of a sudden they said, well, we're thinking of relocating the league office and we're going to probably move it to New Jersey. And I thought, well, you know, there's been a few times in my life when I've thought about relocating and the only place I ever thought about relocating to was Florida. And I thought if ever there was the time to do it, now's the time to do it. So I jumped ship. I went down to Florida without a job to go to. I had an aunt and uncle that lived down there. So I moved in with them initially and it took me a year and a half to finally find a job. But during that time I was doing a lot of freelance work for three different advertising agencies. And so in the meantime, they also put an expansion indoor lacrosse team up in Columbus, Ohio. So the guys that I used to work with at the league office got it to where they were flying me back and forth to Columbus to do the television broadcasts of that team. Then I got hired after a year and a half of looking for a job in Florida and just doing freelance work for three different agencies. I got hired at the International Softball Federation, which is the world governing body for the sport of softball. So we had like 125 countries under our umbrella and I was the director of communications. So that means that we weren't a team. We were, if you want to liken it to a typical league structure, it was like we were the league. And so there's teams underneath you. So we were the world governing body and the national team in every country. Those were part of our membership. And so that did include putting on world championships. It did include the women's softball competition at the Olympics. So I did get to go to Athens in 2004 in Beijing in 2008 to be the chief press officer for the women's softball competition. And yeah, you know, you wondered, could you, you couldn't do the two things together, could you? But in fact, when I first started at the ISF, we were about to have a World Cup. And it was gonna be right there in Central Florida where the world headquarters was because we had a whole complex there that had a stadium and an adjacent complex with four fields on it. So they said, we're gonna have this uh, World Cup tournament and they were looking for an anthem singer, someone to sing the national anthem before the tournament started. And every Sunday in church, I was hearing this girl sing whose voice I really liked. And so one Sunday after church, I walked up to her and introduced myself and you know, said, you have a really good voice. And I said, do you ever sing outside the church? And she said, you know, a little bit here and there, I do some stuff in the community. So I told her about the softball thing and she thought that would be interesting. And so eventually I got it to the point where I told her, you know, more people need to hear your voice. You're really good. You're really talented. And, you know, that that's what my whole career has always been is, is doing promotion work. I said, so I'd love to, to help you. And she got really nervous and said, no, you know, my dad already helps me with all that stuff. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm flattered, but my dad helps me. And so I would still see her at church, you know, and she did agree to do the softball, uh, the national anthem. So eventually, I think the dad realized that this Bruce guy is volunteering, like he's not asking to be paid, he just wants to help. And her dad was a real estate agent. So I think he kind of thought, what do I know (laughs) about (laughs) promoting? You know, I don't care that it is my daughter, here's a guy that knows a whole lot more about promotion than I do, let's let him help. So what happened, Mike, was they eventually relented and said, okay, well, I guess you could help with this. And I guess you could help with that. And I guess if you want to try to get us X, you know, then... So we started doing all these things together and I started showing them results and it was going so well. Now, mind you, the ISF had no idea that I was doing all this because it was after hours, you know, on the side at home, evenings and weekends kind of thing. But I got it to a point where I thought, well, you know, I could probably make a business out of this. And so that's when and how I launched Now Hear This, Um, you know, and like I said earlier on, the original intent was I'm going to manage and promote entertainers. Um, and that was my focus at the time. And so for many years, of course, the ISF was my very much my full-time job. I, I traveled, I traveled to 17 different countries in 10 and a half years and some of them more than once. So mm-hmm. there wasn't really the time to make it a full-time thing to make now hear this a full-time thing. Um, but, but that did come eventually. Wow. I mean, that in itself is an adventure of a a story. and so many uh, crazy
0: and cool things there. Um, So jumping off where you've said uh, you've been traveling and things, I'm I'm interested to know what sort of countries did you go to? And did any... um, First, let's try that again. Have you been to outside of the US much before you had the opportunities uh, with the league? And then also with the league when you went to these other countries, was there any that really stood out to you?
1: Well, before... I joined the International Softball Federation. The only country that I'd ever been to off the top of my head is probably Canada because Mm -hmm. when you live in Western New York, you're essentially 30 minutes from the U S Canada border. So you would go back and forth all the time. I don't think that there was any other countries that I had gone to prior to, to working for the International Softball Federation. But then when I did, my gosh, the the list is is really interesting. Although I've always said that what also interests me is some of the countries that you would think that I probably went to that I didn't. For instance, I never went to Japan. And Japan mm. is such a big softball country that the International Olympic Committee changed it such that host countries can now say we want to add, and I don't know what the number is, if it's two or three or five sports, but just for the games that they're hosting only, you can pick sports that are popular in your country that aren't Olympic sports and say, we really want these to be part of the Olympic program. So oh, wow. the sad part and, and a lot of what led me to leave the ISF and just go full time with now hear this was that there was this controversial vote where women's softball got dropped from the Olympics, and so did men's baseball. And so 2008 in China was our last Olympics. That means that London 2012 and then Rio 2016, they did not have softball on the program. And so for 2020, Tokyo had said, well, softball is one of the sports that we want to add. Um, And I'm kind of going off on a tangent there, but but my point was that I had never been – to Japan, even though the sport is so popular there that the organizer said, we want that as one of the Olympic sports for our games. I had also never been to Australia or New Zealand, but I think that's more, and mind you, those are really good softball countries too. I think that's just kind of more one of those, you know, all getting all dreamy eyed and thinking, you know, what a nice trip that would be. Um, <laughs> probably the only other place I wish I would have gone would have been to somewhere in Africa, which probably would have been South Africa because they're the most developed in the sport, uh, on the continent. But, you know, I think some of the ones that really stand out for me, I did go to Italy. I think it was three times, uh, or maybe mm-hmm. twice, both times to Milan. And that was very nice. I also went to Monte Carlo at least twice. That was probably the nicest place I've ever gone to. Um, Mm. There were some really neat places that were just, you know, visually appealing that you go there and you think, you know, this is very much kind of touristy thing, but there's also things that opened my eyes that I didn't know about myself. For instance, I went to Greece three times and the, one of the times that I was in Greece and I was always going to Athens I went to the Parthenon and I stood there in front of the Parthenon and my jaw just dropped and I had a video camera and I was filming it and filming it and filming it. And I eventually said, whoever's watching this right now, I'm sorry that I just keep showing you the same thing over and over. I just can't believe that this thing is here after all these years from whenever in history it was originally built. And so I was fascinated to learn that about myself because I thought I wasn't a real history buff. And the fact that this impacted me so much made me realize that maybe this is something that I'm interested in that I never realized. So, you know, Greece stood out for that reason. Um, But, you know, there's also places that I went to where, for instance, I did go to the Philippines and you see living conditions there that aren't very ideal and it affects you in a different way.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Traveling is one of those things where the majority of people that I've spoken to, either on this podcast or out of the podcast, the majority of people that I would class as uh, successful, they always state something about either that they believe that traveling has always been a big part of their lives, or that they they had like a a period of time where they went traveling and it really changed them and things like that. And it is one of those things I think travel is one of those oddly underrated uh ventures because so, everyone knows you can or relatively everyone in the developed world knows you can travel to other countries as fairly common but obviously with yourselves in being in america and things because you've got 50 states which are kind of like their own countries but kind of not at the same time and obviously america is absolutely huge compared to say obviously where i'm from is the uk which is a lot smaller by comparison but more densely populated but for me to go to another country i can go on a plane for like half an hour and i'm in france And so most of Europe you can get to within four hours, like each part of it. Whereas obviously in America, you can be four hours on a plane and you can't even get from one side to the other.
1: And Well, and here in Florida alone, you can be up in the Florida panhandle and you can drive 16 hours south and you'll still be in Florida. Yeah. Because I'm in Tampa, which is right in the middle of the state. And I have gone seven or eight hours north to the panhandle and i've gone seven or eight hours south down to the florida keys And it always amazes me that you do all that driving and you haven't even so much as left the state, never mind get into any other part of the country.
0: Well, yeah, and that's funny because where where I live in England, I live in Southampton, which is basically um, right at the bottom of uh, England. It's not – England's weird shape it is you know, sort of like that, and it's got this little tail bit down there. It's not down there. It's just the the sort of bottom there. People who are listening don't know what I'm on about, but it's right at the bottom of the south of England. And going north up to Scotland takes around – 10 hours or so but getting to wales takes like mm. three hours but from the top of scotland down to the south of england y- the amount of time is probably around f- 15 to 18 hours or so but that's wow. that's through one whole country to the top of another one through another, another one to the bottom and that's that's a country whereas obviously with america and obviously australia is kind of like this in a lot of ways as well because australia's land mass is very similar in size to the united states of america and it's so bizarre that Both of the uh, other biggest uh, English-speaking countries in the world are so huge. I mean, even obviously Canada's population Mm. isn't as as huge, but it's it's still a very large place compared to England, which is so small. And and with traveling, it's one of those things where it's so refreshing in a really – it's almost like it's refreshing in a way that you didn't know you were thirsty, if you see what I'm saying. Like you, yeah, and that's kind yeah. of what you said when you uh, saw the Parthenon. Obviously, that historical impact and things. Because I've, I've, as I said, I've travelled around Europe a fair amount, and my girlfriend is half Italian. Her dad's Italian, so we've gone and visited them uh, once. And weird coincidence is that my family and I used to travel to Italy an awful lot when I was younger, and so Italy is great, and the amount of history there is incredible, and lots of other places. But it's, it's really interesting when you go to certain places and you see not only how similar, but how different things are in really odd ways one of my best ones is iceland i mean iceland is probably the favorite my favorite place i've been and i've only really traveled around europe excluding mexico i went to last year and you go to iceland and everyone there speaks english because everyone there speaks icelandic but no one speaks icelandic apart from people who live in iceland so everyone's second language is english so you get what i found really interesting is everyone speaking english but they're all completely different almost dialects of English because you've got people who are from Asia and their second language is English and the way their regional dialect and their accent is, is very different to Icelandic but also people in Europe and Americans there's quite a few Americans in Iceland because it's obviously kind of in that weird sweet spot where it's far away from everyone and so when you go to Iceland everyone is speaking English which is great for me because I don't speak any other languages because I'm a scrub but you know my girlfriend speaks four languages but it's it's really interesting going there and having everyone speaking the same language but it's sounding so different and it's just all these lots of weird little things. So I can't like you mentioning traveling there is a very interesting thing because I think that travel is is so underrated.
1: I remember one time when I was in Monte Carlo, and I had taken four years of French, and so I thought that I was being polite by speaking French as a courtesy to the bellman at the hotel. And I was all proud of myself and puffing my chest out that look at me, I'm speaking in French in French to this guy he's probably going to think that's very kind of this foreigner to come here and speak our language. And he looked at me and he answered me in English. And I thought, I'm so disappointed. He must not be pleased with my level of French that I thought that he would answer me in French out of like, okay, you know, like patting a dog on the head, like, okay, good boy, nice try, run away. And instead when he downshifted into English, I thought, well, at least I did the right thing by giving it a try but at the same time, you know, it, it also helps you measure where you are with the language that you think you know, other than your first language. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, I I did take French um, in school as well, so I, sh- I know... I know enough French to probably get, like if I got stuck in France, I I know how to say, I would like, my name is, could we go to, you know, those sorts of things. But I I don't know very much French. I'm much better written French. I'm a very visual person. So if I wrote something in French, it'd be a lot probably better than me speaking it. But when my girlfriend speaks (laughs) three languages, uh, she's a language teacher, but she's she's Italian, so she has that. But then she also loves Spanish, so she speaks Spanish and she also speaks French. So compared to, like I feel like a moron a lot of the time, so I'm going to learn to speak Italian because, you know, Hopefully, when we have kids one day and things, I want to be able to speak in Italian around our kids, so that our kids can speak to Megan's side of the family in mm-hmm. Italy, who aren't as good as English. Because when I go over there, her dad has to speak in English to me and stuff, which he's great at, but I feel bad for. And what I've learned is when when I've spoken to Megan, she went to um, she went to America uh, slightly just after meeting me. Funny enough, and she spent a month travelling there. And there was a girl who she met at a hostel who didn't speak any or spoke very little English, and her first language uh. was Spanish. So this uh. and this girl for two or three days, because they were in the same hostel for that amount of time together, they really clicked. And what Megan has said several times to me is what people don't understand is how many little things you miss when you go to, obviously America is primarily English, but when you go to certain places and you speak the other language, if you go to Spain and you are Spanish speaking, you can ask people uh, about what's the best this, what's the best that. And when we went to Mexico, there's so many people who would speak to us and then, they go, oh what do you do oh i'm a spanish teacher and they go oh and they start thinking of spanish and then you know we get recommendations <laughs> for local places lots of different things to do that may not have been strictly speaking on on the beaten path for the the in air quotes average tourist i'm still an average tourist <laughs> i'm still useless but <laughs> it, and she said that also so many people you'd, you'd see their eyes light up and i saw this when i was with her as well is that you see their eyes light up when they they don't have to speak their second language the whole time, like at their place of work or mm. anything like mm-hmm. that. And and what a lot of people have said, like when I went over to Italy and I was trying to speak in Italian to Megan's family and things, they love the effort. They just they they are so appreciative yeah. Yeah. appreciative that you're not only trying to speak their language, but it shows that you're interested in their culture. And I think that's one thing that you convey very well in your podcast and things is is that you are interested in other people what they produce what their culture everything about them and it sounds to me like your life experience has kind of really holstered that and really pushed that all the center because to to promote someone you have to know what's there to be promoted if you know what i'm saying
1: well i have this attitude that because i am such a devout catholic i feel that life is not about me it's about him and i'm pointing up to heaven Mm -hmm. and so i like that in my business I don't talk about myself. I'm talking about my clients. Mm -hmm. So if I'm trying to pitch someone to interview one of my clients on their show, then it's all about the client. It's not about telling them who Bruce is or what I do. And in fact, I always tell when I'm meeting with someone for the first time to potentially take them on as a client, I always say, this is the part of my job that I hate because I have to talk about myself. (laughs) And so that is a good thing about doing the podcast is that, those podcasts, as we were saying at the beginning of this discussion, they're not about me. It's I'm just the host, and I just try to get out of the way and let the guest be the show. But because I am a publicist, I know that the guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, that they have a lot of stuff that they want to promote. And I know that most of the interviews that they get are five to seven minutes long on terrestrial radio. They don't get an opportunity to talk for 45 minutes and explain about their songs and explain about their videos and different aspects of the business. So I like to think that they find that podcast somewhat refreshing in the way that I was saying that the guests on Catholic Sports Radio do. Because again, as a publicist, I know that I would love for any kind of promotion that my clients could get. So therefore, it's kind of like I'm winking at the guest and saying, I get it. I know that you want to promote a lot of things. Don't worry, we've got 45 minutes to fill. So yeah, it, it really does kind of weave throughout my life in terms of not wanting as, as much of, and it's funny because I just recently rewrote my LinkedIn bio based on a terrific webinar that I saw somebody give, but I rewrote my bio on LinkedIn and it starts off by saying that I've made peace with the fact that I'm blessed with the gift of gab rather than just using it as a throwaway line laughingly like, oh, ha, 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 I've been given the gift of gab. It's like, no, I really have because now I can use it in a way that benefits other people and it's not just to hear my own voice. So I love that podcasting gives us all that opportunity. Although I've often said that I think it would be a lot more challenging to do a podcast where it's just me talking the whole time because the guest, it gives you an opportunity to catch your breath. You learn more that way. You make a whole lot of great connections. And as a promoter, I have to say, you now have a second person promoting the show for you.
0: yeah i mean i totally agree with that i mean with as i said i've got the my two different shows and this is obviously one of them clearly and the other one just me by myself talking about star wars and some of my friends have been listening to the stars podcast and then they've been starting to read star wars comics because of that and now they want to come on the show and things on the specific wow. star wars show which is cool they've been on the other they've been on genuine chit chat as well so i will be having them off but like special you know 50th episode blah that sort of thing but it is doing the podcast by myself after doing So, I started the Styles podcast about a few months ago. It was earlier this year at some point. The lockdown has made my brain go to mush when it comes to timings in recent (laughs) years. But obviously, this one I've been doing for nearly three years, and that one um, I've not even been doing for a year yet. So, when it's a very Different ball game. It's you know sat with the speaking with you I, as we as it can people can tell we bounce off each other. That is just what I try and kind of promote the show as is. You know it's just a normal conversation between people. It just so happens the the microphone's on. That's, I just want to talk to people I find interesting, and it kind of goes from there. But when it's my Star Wars one, I have to sit in basically the same room by myself with like a comic next to me, and I have to try and explain things in a way that sounds interesting without boring the listener, but also. It, I'm such a rambler. Like I can so easily, and some I've done it before. Where I've I've recorded a podcast of um of the Star Wars podcast, or whatever, and I've started a sentence, and then I've just somehow spoke for like five minutes, and I listen back to it, and I'm like, I didn't wow. say anything. Then words were coming out of my mouth, <laughs> but nothing was being said. <laughs> Which is
1: there's no substance at all right there. <laughs> exactly.
0: Which is good in some ways that like, I could recognise that, but also you know pe- people pro- would be. If they realise how the unedited episodes sound of especially that podcast where I'm just left to my own devices and nothing to rein it in, it is a travesty. Um, But I want to ask, sticking with musicians and entertainers and things like that. So on your blog, I saw that you mentioned about sort of five minutes of fame and things like that. Uh, Over over here, we've got X Factor and we've got Pop Idol. You guys have got American Idol, and I think we both have The Voice, that sort of thing. And so I want to ask you, being in the, the biz, as it were. How do you feel about people having the opportunity to go on TV and and become super famous super quickly compared to those who have to, you know, work at it, who have to really – not that people on uh, these shows don't work hard, but obviously it's a very different kettle of fish if you've been working as a musician for five to ten years, playing loads of small places, and then you become famous because – a song becomes a hit compared to winning a competition. So I'm interested to know what your kind of your thoughts are on that realm.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that. And again, for your <laughs> listeners, if you go to nowhearthis.biz, just click into the blog section. And what I was actually writing about in that blog was the fact that when you do get those opportunities, when you do get to go on a show like American Idol, The Voice, The X Factor, America's Got Talent, You really have to be working so hard so that you don't just assume that, well, I'm on here. All kinds of people are going to find me now. I'm going to sit back and put my feet up on the desk and watch all the followers just roll in. And I'm going to watch all my numbers, all my download numbers go up. I was saying that's when you really have to be working because eventually only one person wins. Eventually you do get cut. And if you want to ride that, I'm holding up air quotes, I was on American Idol Well, you really better have something to back it up. You can't just assume that you're going to be able to ride that out for years and years because I see people who promote that fact and then you look up and see when were they on there and it was like six years ago and it's very much a what have you done lately business. So I don't care that you were on American Idol six years ago. Did you win? No. Okay. Well, then why are you still talking about it six years later? You should be telling me all the impressive things you've done in the last six months So I'm not saying those shows are bad. I just think that people get a little too misled in terms of what could come from it because honestly, Mike, I think it's younger people that see it as a way of being on TV and being in front of a national audience. And they don't realize that, as you started to say, there is another way to go about this. And I tend to find myself a lot of times for for a long time, I was advising people, don't put all your eggs in the Facebook basket. And more recently, and I don't know, it might've been on the Brian Lanning interview that you're talking about, but I found myself saying on a recent podcast, don't put all your eggs in the YouTube basket. Actually, no, this was, maybe it was Brian Lanning because yeah, there's a, he was, well, it might've also been Noah Guthrie. They had popular YouTube channels, but it was like, you know, I don't want to be known as, oh, the guy from YouTube, So, you know, I, I tell people, you know, that's great. Like go on a reality show if you get the chance because you'll learn a lot, but don't put all your eggs in that basket. Don't also put all your eggs in any one basket because you don't want to be a one trick pony. You don't want to be painted with that brush. It's not unlike a lot of times I will tell parents, you need to get your kid into some sort of contest where they're being judged by people who know what they're talking about and not just sponsors Because what happens when sponsors judge contests is they say something nice to every participant because they're a sponsor and because they don't know what they're listening to. So they'll say, Joanne, you look so pretty. I love your dress. Thank you for participating. And it's like, well, that didn't help that young girl at all. So you need to get your kid into an event where someone's gonna be able to give them some constructive criticism that will help them because mom and dad are always gonna say great things. They're always gonna love you and they're always gonna tell you what a wonderful voice you have. And in fact, maybe you shouldn't be singing at all, but maybe you can be a great songwriter or maybe you could be a great piano player or maybe you could be a great producer, but you just don't have the chops to make it over the long haul as a singer. So the people that you were talking about, Mike, that have been doing it for years and years, I think they look at American Idol and The Voice and they say, I don't really need that because I am finding ways to make a full-time living out of the music business, but even they are not just doing one thing. And I wrote a blog about this too very recently where the blog basically said, if you think those people that you've heard on my podcast, for example, and I'll just throw out some names. I've had the keyboard player for Aerosmith. I've had the lead guitar player for Garth Brooks. I've had the drummer for Cheap Trick. I've had the bass player for Pink. I've had the trumpet player for Billy Joel. You hear about people like that and you say, well, they don't have to do anything else because they've got a great gig going there. And in fact, that's what I was writing about is, no, they are doing other things. And that's how people can make it in the music business is to realize that you don't just have to do that one thing. So you don't just have to win American Idol. You don't just have to be the keyboard player for Aerosmith. You can do a lot of different things and still enjoy what you're doing and not have to hope that you can impress people by saying, by the way, I was the runner-up on season number X of The Voice because nobody really cares. Those shows have been around for so long now that there have been so many people on those shows that it's almost watered down. If you tell me you were on The Voice, I might say, yeah, you and 99 other people that I've talked to in the last five years, you know what I mean? It's, it's just really not, it, it's so many people will tell you this and it's true. At the end of the day, it's a TV show. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get ratings and they're trying to make the advertisers happy because it's a TV show. So as much as they call it reality, I know from so many people that it's not The reality that you think it is
0: Hmm. i mean over here um, as i've mentioned we have a show called x factor and x factor is where probably the biggest boy band in the last couple decades came from which is one direction yeah and i think what happened was initially i I may be slightly wrong here but it was something like they auditioned separately and then the judges kind of put them together and then i think in the whole competition they didn't even win and then they i think they're second and then because Simon Cowell liked them so much, he bolstered them up. And I may be getting that confused, and apologies if I am, because there's about five or six other cases of people in these reality TV, or uh, air quotes reality, as you stated, the, the sort of uh, game, uh, almost song game shows, where they don't win. But because they've got the chops, they've got the voice, there's a guy called Mers who uh, did it as well, where they go on the show... They sing or whatever, and the audience doesn't vote them in, or the judges don't, or whatever. And then once all the cameras and stuff are turned off, someone goes, you've got actual, true talent. And yeah, maybe going on that show, kind of showing the spotlight on them. But once again, them winning the show doesn't actually necessarily equate to those things. And there's so much behind the scenes of certain industries, which I'm sure you're familiar with, where it's just a lot of string pulling uh, that you don't see from the front. It's like the back of the curtain almost is that, you know, it's, it's like yeah. watching a theatrical production because there's so many little things that go on. So keeping in that vein, um, I want to ask what, in your opinion, are some of the biggest pitfalls, uh, that entertainers and musicians get themselves into that they think maybe might help themselves and actually hurts them or something sort of vague to that, the sort of pitfalls of, of entertainment as it were.
1: Well, unfortunately, I think a lot of entertainers are their own worst enemy. And
0: that's the end of part one. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Part two will be out next week where our conversation on the entertainment industry continues. Uh, We also discuss the pitfalls for entertainers, what sweat equity is, the value of collaboration, its importance and the wide variety of scope of what collaboration falls under, public speaking, consistency, putting content out there and much more. So it's a really fun one to check out if you enjoyed this one. Coming up, so obviously next week where part two of this chat is coming out, it means the week after that is the episode number one hundred. Uh, a lot of podcasters seem to do massive, grandiose, crazy things for the hundredth episode. I've just organised to have my mate Reese on because Reese is the person I spoke to in the first episode of Genuine Chit Chat he's been on the show once or twice since then to speak about a couple of different things but Reese is one of my favourite people in the whole world I love talking to him, he's one of the people who really helped me kind of start the podcast up and bounce ideas off and things and obviously he volunteered to be in the first episode which is incredible, uh, I would recommend go back and listen to episode number one uh, how to, um, whether or not it's right to punch a Nazi, that was the general talking point of that conversation, so in it's going to be a fun one recently i think we're going to talk about a few things here and there i mean me and him always talk for hours and hours about nothing in particular when we're not recording so i can i'm sure it's going to be a really really cool conversation he's got a lot of cool things going on at the moment so that's what you can look forward to in episode 100 Uh, after that i've got a two-parter to release with janine mercer who's awesome uh i've got a two-parter recorded with my friend Scott Weatherly of the 20th Century Geek podcast. Uh, we've collaborated before on the big sort of Star Wars thing we did with Comics in Motion. So it's exciting to get him on the show, just to chat with him one-on-one. We plan to talk about H.P. Lovecraft and we end up talking about literally nothing ever to do with H.P. Lovecraft, uh, which was quite a fun one. Uh, I've got another one recorded or due for recording next week i'm actually due to go on someone's podcast to do a guest spot so that's fun as well as having reese on the show as well as having someone else on the show who was organized by bruce walsniak the gentleman in this conversation so quite a few cool things in the pipeline i've got other podcasts due for recording i've got you know tonya todd's coming on again uh, that won't be released for a while i've got goff coming on again of Beanuts productions because he's got a couple of new things out so we're going to chat about those there's other chats I've got recorded with new guests and things. I'm actually seeing a guest in person in a couple of weeks. So I'm really excited for that. We were going to chat and then COVID happened. So we had to postpone it. So I've got a lot of cool chats lined up for the future. And yeah, we just... Keep subscribed, follow on the social media places, you know, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Leave a review, you know, whenever I see the reviews it always makes me very happy and I appreciate anyone leaving them. Uh, if anyone is listening and they haven't left one and you feel like you want the show to get, you know, bigger guests and more cool people and keep it going for as long as possible, doing reviews is a great way of doing it because it pushes it up the iTunes chart and all the other sort of various charts there are and then due to that you get more exposure, more exposure means more listens, more listeners means I have a view, bigger listenership and therefore I can talk to who are potentially more famous, which I am trying to work on. But You know, it doesn't matter about fame, it matters about the quality of the content and things, but there's a few people I really, really would love to talk to uh, who are slightly above, I think, what the scope of this podcast is. I'm still going to try, I'm definitely going to give it a go, I'm just trying not to have any podcasts recorded for the next two months because (laughs) I've got so many due for recording and so many in the pipeline that if I didn't record a new episode uh, for a while I'd have enough sorted until like October. So it's quite mental, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, aside from that there's not a huge amount else to mention apart from always you know check out the Room podcast I haven't mentioned that in a little while I did some voice acting work on Room podcast Uh, I've got a link to that in the description I did a full-on voice so it's like a not my normal voice it's a full-on different voice for that that was quite a lot of fun to do and Room is is cracking I'm planning on having Aidan Roswell on the podcast again at some point as well but once again I'm just quite busy at the moment Aside from that, the only thing really to talk about in my mind, unless I've forgotten something, uh, is Star Wars Comics and Canon. Uh, if you're not already aware, I've got a podcast called you know, Star Wars Comics and Canon. It's found on the feed of Comics and Motion, good friends of mine who I regularly collaborate with, and obviously I've got a show on their podcast feed now as well. Uh, they have a different episode, like every day of the week they have a different episode air from a different content creator my friend tony farina he's got a show indie comic spotlight uh, there's lots of other ones on there as well i've designed an artwork for a couple of them too which is quite nice and so that's basically where Star Wars Comics Canon airs, and I just speak about a different comic, either a mini series or volume of a main series each week. I go into the narratives, I draw the connections between them and things. Uh, one of the recent ones I did was actually Galaxy's Edge. So if you're interested in some of the backstory between uh, Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities in Disney World and Disneyland in America, you want to find out some of the other sort of interesting details about that, there's a whole comic that goes along with it to give more details and things to it which which I think is a really cool idea obviously it's for Disney to promote the park but it was actually quite a cool comic to read it was, each one was like a different story you've got Hondo Anaka on it which is he was from Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars you've got Dr. Aphra who's appearing in loads of Star Wars content at the moment you've also got a ch- story about Han and Chewie and a baby Sarlacc so the pit of the Sarlacc um, well the Sarlacc pit in Return of the Jedi that Boba Fett gets thrown into uh when Jabba's there and stuff that is a Sarlacc so it's a baby one and they're pretty terrifying so I talk about that quite a bit in there as well it's just a fun podcast for if you're a casual stars fan and you want to widen your horizons on the wider canon you know it's a good one to check out if you're already a veteran and you love star wars and you have done for ages and you watch all the movies and the tv series and things it's another great one to watch because certain friends of mine like to read the comics i talk about as i go through them and things so it kind of helps them cement in their own knowledge but other people who don't have time to read all these comics like hearing my description of the comic because it gives the story without ruining the comic in itself so that's what you can look forward to in star wars comics in canon i do post about it on social media normally once a week so if you haven't paid attention to that uh, I also forgot to mention that last week I did a road trip episode with Megan that was loads of fun. Not in Star Wars Comics and Canon. I'm changing gear far too quickly. Uh, Last week of Genuine Chit Chat, I actually did an episode with Megan. We travelled around Northern England for a while and we recorded podcasts in the car, just chatting about what we were kind of up to and things. So that's pretty much everything I can think about talking about I like to keep all the rambly stuff towards the end of this podcast if you're a new listener I try and keep the uh, the intro fairly short and sweet and then ramble on at this after bit because if people aren't interested in this rambly on bit hopefully they do still tune in anyway but um yeah really really appreciate you guys listening you know make sure you check out all the links in the description and the show notes check out my other show check out Bruce Wozniak's now hear this entertainment podcast and loads of other cool things as well so As I said, appreciate you guys listening and I'll talk to you all next week.